Welcome to Maestros On Air, presented by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Maestros On Air is a discussion of culture, news events, and life on the Space Coast, and highlights the music, concerts, and personalities of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. On the show, you'll hear from President of the Symphony Board, Eric Lee. SCSO Director of Communications, Bill Trudeau, and me, Jeremy Hickman. Sometimes we're even joined in the studio by the maestro himself, Aaron Collins. We're glad you're listening, so let's get going and find out what happens on this episode of Maestros On Air. Top of the morning to you, Jeremy. Top of the morning to you, Eric. Welcome to the show. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, Maestro's on air here in the uh, beautiful, uh, friendly confines of uh, <laughs> <laughs> the studios. Yeah, absolutely. It's always morning on Maestro's. It is, even though it's not morning right now. <laughs> it's always morning. True, but uh, you, you do have a nice big cup of coffee there. That's so right. it's, it's I love coffee, coffee in your mind, and it's uh, I love coffee. afternoon all over the internet, I That's think. That's right. I, <laughs> I love coffee. But we're going to have a great show uh, today for you. Yeah, in fact, one of the first things we'll do is we'll play a clip from our most recent concert, which was the Grand Canyon Suite. I will say this is probably the most packed concert I have ever seen us perform to. Oh, yeah, it was standing room only. We were just talking off the air. How how many chairs did you bring down? To I put probably in the pit? brought in a good 50 or 60 chairs uh, for uh, standing room only overflow. I mean, it was even after the concert had started, we were still trying to bring in chairs just to, to let people have a place to sit down. All right. Yeah, it was amazing. It's really great to see, you know, the community support. You know, for a concert. I think people really were looking forward to, you know, Rhapsody in Blue and then the Grand Canyon Suite with the um, video from National Geographic. I think that was a big hit. And then the uh, Timpani Concerto was really good, too. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I think maybe part of it was because it was a nice mix of pieces because I had people tell me that they came only, or I shouldn't say only, but primarily came because of the Grand Canyon Suite and wanted to see the, uh, you know, the video. Right. Uh, and then I had other people that told me that they came primarily because they wanted to hear Rhapsody in Blue. Uh, and it just ended up being a great concert all around. I, I saw smiles. Everybody was leaving. Oh, yeah. Everybody seemed really happy. So Yeah. In fact, uh, in terms of the Grand Canyon Suite, I know... Aaron Collins has said that he doesn't really want us to be known as the multimedia symphony, but I know every time we do a symphony with video and multimedia, it's very popular and it, it just really adds to the music. Yeah, I agree with you. I think people really enjoy that visual element of being able to see something along with lis listening. You know, we're kind of a visual society now, so I think people really enjoy that. Uh, indeed. Uh, I, I know I certainly do. And plus, uh, I think I had mentioned this on the last show, but uh, uh, at least here in Melbourne, the Scott Center uh, has a brand new high brilliance uh, HD projector. So the the, the imagery is, is brighter than it once was, and it's uh, very colorful. 
Oh, yeah, they've really upgraded their game over there. They've got that. They've got really great lighting now. I mean, it's it's not so hot on stage because I think they've switched almost everything to LEDs. So it's a lot cooler on stage and it's brighter. It's Everything is It's really, you know, first class. Over oh, a- absolutely. In fact, the, you know, I've gotten the tour of the equipment and it's it both is cooler. You're right. It's, it's all LED. It's cooler. It takes less power. Uh, and it's also a lot more... Uh, capable in terms of being able to have different scenes and color transitions, and I think they're just just starting to tap into the full capabilities there. So uh, it's a it's a nice enhancement. But of course, Maestros on Air is not a video show; it is an audio show. So we can't show you any videos, but we can play you some audio. So here is a nice clip from the last concert, the Grand Canyon Suite. This is Rhapsody in Blue.
that was just lovely. It was great. That you know that really uh, brought back a lot of memories. That was really a great concert. Yeah, in fact, uh, that's such a lovely music. It's you can almost forget that we had a hurricane just a couple of weeks ago. Yes, that's true. <laughs> we were just talking about that off the air, too. I think we were really lucky there wasn't more damage. Yeah, I had a few uprooted plants uh, in the yard, and a couple of neighbors weren't so lucky with their screens. Um, but otherwise, uh, nothing significant in our neighborhood. We we did uh, we did lose power. We were out power till about 4 o'clock Friday afternoon. But other than that, and a couple of... A um, couple of plants that were upturned, no, no real problems. No, that's really good. I think um, most people I've talked to, everybody seemed, you know, pretty happy with the outcome. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the biggest tragedy is I found uh, I, I didn't have the hardware for my uh, hurricane shutters, so I had to uh, uh, borrow from uh, <laughs> from various neighbors because you know I went to the hardware store the day before the storm, and there was no hardware to be found. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I luckily I was able to borrow enough of. Uh, the, the wing nuts and other hardware from the neighbors and i got all my shutters up i think all the neighbors uh got theirs up but you know that that is one of those uh, times when the whole neighborhood comes together to to help everybody else out oh yeah definitely is a unifying thing uh hurricane so but like i said everybody i think fared pretty well i think we we're really lucky so but we've got some uh a great show coming up we've got um an excellent interview you did with uh, Carrie Mormon. I'm really looking forward to listening to that. Yeah, in fact, Carrie uh, Mormon, uh, many of you will recognize him as the concert master for the Space Coast Symphony and the first chair violin. He is also the founder of something called the Quartet Movement that's about a year old. Uh, so Eric, as the president of the board of directors for the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra, can you give us your thoughts on what, what is the Quartet Movement and why did the symphony choose to adopt this as one of its services? Well, basically, um, we've always been interested in education, and uh, what quartet movement is basically is a um, way to promote uh, chamber music. And if you're not familiar with chamber music, basically they're small ensembles. They originally were designed playing in like, you know, chambers. So you'd have like a small group, say, in like, you know, if you're wealthy, you know, like in your living room. So we have a lot of, um, they're primarily, there's a lot of string quartets. So that would be, you know, two violins, a viola, and a cello. And it's to uh, promote um, the chamber music. The nice thing about the chamber music is, you know, in the educational realm is there's no place to hide because, you know, it's one on a part. So you really have to know your music. So I think it really helps out the um, the students learning this. It's not like if they're in a big orchestra or band where they, they can kind of, you know, slough off because, you, know, you know, in a regular orchestra, there's say there's, you know, 12 violins, you could be sitting in the back and... <laughs> You know, not keeping up. But if you're the only, you know, only one on your part, you know, you got to know your stuff. And then the other thing that's uh, nice about it is the better students are given an opportunity to uh, perform with the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra, and that's part of our mentorship program, where the students get to sit next to, you know, an older, you know, seasoned musician, and you know, through osmosis, they can pick up a few things. Exactly right. And in fact, what you're about to hear is an interview with Carrie Mormon. He talks about these things, the, the things that you mentioned, he talks about those and why he started Quartet Movement. What you'll hear uh, will include some music, just so you know, all the music uh, was recorded at the final 
practice uh, of the quartet movement. These are small groups of junior high and high school players. Uh, you'll hear some music. You'll hear a little bit of the instruction going on. And you'll also hear from a couple of the students who are in the program, as well as the interview with Carrie Mormon. Mormon, uh, thank you for joining us here. Thank you for letting me come and observe. I wanted to talk, in fact, we've been talking for uh, several months about uh, the opportunity to get together and talk about quartet movement. In fact, I believe, I haven't gone back and listened to it, but I, if I remember correctly, on our third show, uh, when we had Daniel Ascroft in town, we were brand new and just starting, and you mentioned quartet movement, but it was, if I remember correctly, you were talking about it of something coming in the future. It hadn't quite started or was just getting started. So now this is something that uh, you've, you've been doing for over a year now. 
and we have formally taken it in as a service of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. So given that it's had a little bit of an opportunity to grow and start to form into something that uh, we can tell what it's going to be, I'd like to give you the opportunity to talk about what really was the genesis of it. You know, where did the idea come from? What was the idea behind it? And how did the quartet movement get started? Um, this is something that I've had a passion for most of my life, chamber music, and my wife also, and other uh, professional musicians in the area. Uh, right, and we should just go ahead and, and make note that uh, you are full-time with the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. You're the concert master. You're actually on the board of directors, but you're also a music instructor. So you, you have a lot of uh, a lot of different things you do in, 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 in your multiple day jobs. Right, but I enjoy all of it. So I, I'm not looking to give anything up. I like all the, the hats that I wear. Um, as far as chamber music is concerned, um, this is something I've done before quartet movement existed. I teach violin and viola. So two violins and a viola is three-fourths of a string quartet. So if you have a talented cellist, you can make a string quartet. So I've involved cellists over time, and now my son also plays cello, in forming chamber music ensembles over the years. And now there's um, this organization that has other coaches involved, um, so they don't only have me coaching. And uh, and once we pick music that goes with the kids, we put them together in groups. Initially, it started off with six ensembles, and now we're up to nine with even more interest, and we almost have to turn people away. Um, but it's, and we've even gone to larger ensembles. So it's great that people are interested in doing this, the kids out there. Right, and I, and I heard you talk about quartet movement for a while. This is my first time to come and observe, and one of the things that, I guess had I thought about it, I would have realized, but I didn't realize it until I came and saw it myself. But rather than having a room full of musicians all uh, being spoken to at once, there are actually multiple breakout sessions. So you had music coming from you know three or four different rooms here, with uh, each room uh, their own small group uh, and each with their own instructor. Right. We have three different rooms right now and three different time slots, so that makes the nine ensembles and the coaches rotate through that we have a few regular coaches and some substitute coaches as well which are uh, highly qualified also uh, musicians from brevard county the space coast and uh, the orlando metropolitan area as well do they tend to be professional musicians or music instructors or both uh, some of both oftentimes if not all the time music performers also teach I, I don't know of any professional musicians who don't teach some. Um, but yes, all of these students do both performing and teaching. We're here in Brevard County, and some of the instructors come from as far as Orlando. They, they are compensated for their time. There are some, some costs associated with it. So as, you know, ha, you know, we're happily at uh, Space Coast Symphony Orchestra were able to help fund this. And in fact, uh, we at our recent board meeting, the, this topic uh, is on the agenda every every board meeting. And you know, we talked about specific plans to try to expand it over the coming year. Right. Yeah. With interest increasing, we may be able to have more than nine as time goes on. If we have enough of each instrument to form ensembles. Um, Interest is up. We've also gotten larger ensembles. Instead of just trios and quartets, now we have five or six um, in an ensemble, which is nice to have a larger uh, chamber ensemble. In a sense, I would like to expand it, but in another sense, I want to keep its focus at chamber music and not 
become an orchestra or a youth orchestra. There are already youth orchestras out there. Um, and I think the focus of the group is specific, and that's what draws students, because uh, if they play chamber music at their school, which some have, that can be good, but you can't have necessarily the elite players from the county just at one school. If you are talking about expanding, what we just what we just discussed or learned was that uh, we have three rooms at this facility, and over the course of an evening, there are three different time slots, equaling nine individual sessions. Would an expansion be a fourth room times three in this building, or is there thought that you would break it apart and you would have maybe a set of sessions to the north and a set of sessions to the south, or something beachside and something on the mainland? I mean, what's your thought in terms of how it would expand? Well, my initial thought uh, on that is that I would like to have it at one central location, anywhere from Melbourne or North Melbourne up to Rockledge we've rehearsed. Right now we're in North Melbourne, which is fairly centrally located population-wise in the county. And then students can get to us from anywhere and then make music with other students. If we did it only on the beach side or if we did one in Titusville, they would somewhat be locked into playing with students in their local area. And I like that it opens up doors for people to play with students from Palm Bay uh, to the south to Titusville in the north. You know, we could go to up to 12 rooms if we were to go to a fourth room. We'd have to see what the space capacities are at this venue. Um, that may be possible. Um, again, if we have enough students on each instrument group to form ensembles. Um, this is a Tuesday night. In theory, you could do a Tuesday and a Wednesday or a Monday and a Tuesday. I'm not suggesting you go that route, but there are, there are certain ways you can carve up the apple. We put a lot of thought into Tuesday night being the night that works, um, that avoids church on Wednesday, uh, marching band on Friday, and people on weekends have various plans. Monday, um, there are some youth orchestras that have rehearsals. So this has fewer conflicts, and it's worked out well for a lot of students. So we're going to keep it on Tuesdays for the time being. And the second session, we have our performance on Friday night, 7 o'clock at Eastminster Presbyterian, 7 p.m. And um, the next session for students starts on uh, the first uh, day of November, November the 1st. We have our next session starting. Session is two to three months of rehearsals leading up to a performance. So the concert that we have uh, coming up this coming Friday is essentially the culmination of a session. So right. the current session is ending, there'll be a performance, and then next month, a new session, presumably some new students, some of the same students. Right. Uh, but, but so let me ask you this in terms of the mechanics. Uh, talk to the, the, the musicians tonight, and they talked about the fact that each week, they may have a different instructor that cycles around, but the group of musicians, the four or the five or the however many there are, they tend to stay together through the session. So if an individual student decides to hold over and keep intending onto the next session, would they be put together in a completely different group to try to mix it up? Or do you try to maintain that, 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 that current group in, into the next session? We generally change the ensembles. I, I don't think we've kept anything exactly the same. There may be one or two that overlap, but generally it's different players and different combinations of pieces of music. And there are thousands of pieces of music written for chamber ensembles. So um, it's up to my creativity and experience to find the right pieces to fit the students. And I really like doing that. So in terms of the students staying together, 
uh, and continuing to learn to work as a unit, uh, you did already mention what some of your goals of the quartet movement were when you started. Uh, but then I also ask the students, what what do you get out of it as a student? Uh, and a common answer was learning how to communicate with the, the fellow musicians uh, to be able to have a little more intimacy in that group. Is that part of the goal that you had? Uh, you know, What are the other things that you're hoping that they get that they may not realize that they're getting? I think one thing that they get, it's not necessarily a lot of technical skill on the instrument, but it's, uh, as some of the students said, communication, but a skill set of being really aware of all of their surroundings, what they see on the page um, horizontally with their melodies and vertically with playing uh, beautiful harmonies in a chord and uh, communicating with others and sensitivity to tempo. All these things are really great that you can't get playing all by yourself and you get swamped in an orchestra with, you know, 50 to 75 people. So this is where all these skills are really developed and then they can play with other musicians and pick up and learn quickly so they don't have to stay with the same people all year long. But some of them, they do get to do that. But having the ability to play with others and learn and communicate quickly is what it's all about. Given that the Chamber Movement is a service of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra, can you talk about the affiliation of uh, and the ability of some of the student players to be able to get access to and potentially play with the larger symphony. Yeah, we do have um, a program with the Space Coast Symphony, a mentorship program where students are able to come in for certain concerts and perform with the orchestra. And Amelia, you've done that before, right? Mm-hmm. How did that work Me- mechanically? I mean, what, what was the process that you went through to both? You know, either volunteer or be selected for it, and then what activities occurred to, to help you do that? Um, well, I was contacted through Quartet Movement and asked if I was willing and able to perform with Space Coast. Um, I receive the music, and I go to the regular rehearsals Thursday and Friday and then do all the performances. And that may not be all of the students that are in quartet movement. It's basically geared towards those who are of high school age and are quite experienced or advanced enough to do it. We want students that are able to do that, to take part. But if they're not ready yet, we wouldn't put them in a situation where they would be uncomfortable or it's not good for the symphony either. Right. I mean, yeah, you're not looking to put somebody under pressure, uh, nor do you want the quality of the symphony itself to suffer. Correct. But when you have a musician that's maturing and starting to flourish, it's nice, in, in my opinion, to be able to have that outlet to, to, to let them take that next step, even if it's for a single concert. You know, because you know, I could see that too, where you might have a musician, and again, you know, we're not talking about you specifically, but I'm talking, you know, generically, you know, it, I could see how a musician could actually be going through the course of study and learning and really ready to take that next step, but they're not really ready to just continually be a full-time member of the symphony. So it's almost a try it out, see how you like it, then take what you learn back with you uh, in your study and and go on through through your learning. Yeah. And learning has to take place really quickly when you have professional orchestra rehearsals. You may have two performances. Especially when Aaron is the one who's conducting. He has a very low patience sometimes. uh. Well, I mean, as musicians... We're teasing, we're teasing. No, but that's also a positive thing. Musicians with experience know what they want. And, um, you know, they envision that and they they need to get it there. And there's a time limit because um, 
you know, time and money and all that stuff for rehearsals, and it has to lead to a performance. So, um, but they see in that situation, what's it like to learn music really quickly in that environment in two rehearsals or, you know, however many we have around two, and then put it on the stage. So a lot of times high school students here, if they're playing in an advanced high school ensemble, they're playing professional level literature. But the difference is they have months to learn it as opposed to a matter of days. So that's that condensed um, time frame and the urgency is what's really good about it. And that's something that partly through quartet movement they're able to prepare for. So Amelia, your experience, tell me, what was the concert that you took part in? What was what was the specific music that you played? Um, I've actually done several concerts, but the biggest standout to me was when we performed the Tchaikovsky Piano Concerto. Yes, I recall that. Mm-hmm. I think we also had a Bruckner Symphony on that concert. Yes, yes. And... Uh, there, there were a few students that performed there, and that was a real highlight this past season, I think, of the year. It was well attended, and the music quality was really high in the orchestra, and the literature was great. So I had been looking forward to that for months. So we had an outstanding soloist, and the Tchaikovsky Piano Concerto is one of the best in the literature there. And then uh, Bruckner symphonies are long, big, and intense. So it may have even been physically tiring, if I it had to guess. It was very tiring. It, it w- was that one of the larger audiences you played for? Definitely. It was... It's always a little bit of higher pressure, but I think it's welcomed. And If I can speak for the students, I can imagine, because it wasn't that long ago I was a student, that you know when you're around other musicians or teachers that know how you play, there's an expectation that you keep matching that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you also feel a little bit comfortable, so there's less pressure. So there's kind of a mix of that going on anytime students are playing with teachers or other high-achieving peers. Well, you know, and in line with what we were talking about earlier and the challenges of uh, being part of quartet, uh, I would imagine there's a little bit of comfort in playing with the larger symphony. Not that you wanted to hide and blend in, but you, you, perhaps not quite as much pressure as one would have if you were going to just stand out and solo you know, suddenly for the first time. Right. I had one experience at Space Coast when there were three divided viola parts and there were three violas that attended rehearsal. And that was definitely a high pressure situation because of the limited time and the expectations to perform well. So, But you got through it and I, I assume you got a, a, a nice boost of confidence out of it. Yeah, it was definitely nice to know that I can get through something I'm not comfortable with. So it let you go back to high school and say, yeah, uh, well, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, hey, let's talk about the upcoming concert. Again, because this is the end of a session, there will be another concert at the end of the, the, the upcoming session. But right now, we've got a concert coming up on Friday. So we, we talked about the intricacies of uh, the individual uh, sessions here, three rooms times, three time slots. So that's nine different groups. What are the mechanics? What what would a, an attendee expect to see if they come to this concert on Friday? Um, it could be almost two hours of chamber music. Uh, students will come and perform their pieces, uh, just like you would have a touring professional string quartet, but it's just students that are doing a segment of the concert. Um, so in a traditional string quartet, you have two violins, one viola, one cello. So most of the instruments that will be on stage are violins, violas, and cellos. We also have a string bass. We have a clarinet. We have... Um, some of the ensembles have an extra viola. 
I'm trying to think of what and else at least one of them has a clarinet. I heard yeah, that earlier. We do have a clarinet. Um, so there's a sextet involved, which is six players. And then we have some quintets. And then that's right. We have a piano quintet also. Okay. So, you know, probably a dozen or so pieces over a couple of hours and, uh, you know, nine change outs, something well, like that. We, yeah, we have nine student groups. And so there are nine movements or pieces. Um, a lot of Mozarts, a good amount of Brahms. We have Schumann. There's a composer named Cheery. Um, there's Tchaikovsky. So there are a lot of great pieces that I think would be very pleasing to any audience. Okay. I'm, I'm confident and, about that. Literature. And the time and venue? 7 p.m. on Friday, the 28th. That's at Eastminster Presbyterian. So this is not the typical Space Coast Symphony venue. It's very Correct. specific for the quartet movement. It's very close to downtown Melbourne. It's right across the bridge. A lot of people know where Eastminster Presbyterian Church is. But there is a charge for tickets. Uh, actually, I think admission is free and donations are um, accepted if someone encouraged, feels incli- in fact. inclined. Yeah, encouraged. And I don't know if it's where they mail it in or if we're taking a collection. Uh, this is the second year we're doing it. So we may be doing some things a little different for our first performance this year season. Right. This is the this is the end of the first session and this is the first performance of the year. Correct. Uh you expect how many two or three per year? We have three performances each year, unless that were to increase in the future. But our pattern is we have at the end of each session there's a performance where students uh culminate in sharing that with the audiences. Okay. Good. Well, I appreciate you inviting me to come observe this evening. Absolutely. Uh, I heard some good music, so I expect that there's going to be some great music on Friday. There will be. If you're already listening to this show, you probably already know, uh, but you can go and look at spacecoastsymphony.org or maestrosonair.com for a link and get the full details of the time and venue and recommended donation. I was just going to mention that we would welcome you as you come to the performance to come talk to myself or any of the other instructors or coaches, and then also the students and just tell them what you thought of their performance. It's really good to interact with audience members and students or performers. If someone is listening and they have a a child who's a student or somebody who is a student is listening in middle school or high school in the area, and they think they might want to participate Is this something that they would already know about? If not, how would they find out about it? Do they have to be invited? Can they approach you? What's the process if someone wants to participate? We have a website, which is quartetmovement.org, and uh, there's a contact on there. They can reach out to us. Um, Some students may have heard about it at school, but maybe not everyone has gotten the word yet. So they can reach out to us, and if we have openings, if they're interested, we will try to get everybody involved. And over 90% of the people that have reached out to us have been able to uh, take part. Fantastic. Well, Here's to seeing everybody at the concert this Friday. Uh, Carrie Mormon, concert master with Space Coast Symphony Orchestra, uh, and for the purposes of this conversation, founder of the Quartet Movement. Congratulations. Look forward to a good concert. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jeremy.
music performed by the students uh, enrolled in the quartet movement that was recorded this week at the final practice prior to their concert, which is happening this Friday. More information at our website, spacecoastsymphony.org or quartetmovement.org. That's on Friday night, followed by Titanic, music of James Horner. Right, I can give you the... um Times uh, you can. It's October Saturday, October 29th at 7 p.m. at the Scott Center, and then um, following concert is um, three o'clock on Sunday, October 30th at Vero Beach High School at the Performing Arts Center. And the concert coming up after that, we've actually had a venue change that's honoring our heroes. Right. So uh, you want to have your uh, pencil ready. It's not even on the website yet. So if you want to know the cutting edge about uh, what's going on with the Space Coast Symphony, listen to Maestros on Air. Uh, We're going to have a um, concert on Veterans Day, uh, which is a Friday at 7 p.m. That's at Riverside Presbyterian Church. Uh, 3400 North Atlantic Avenue in Cocoa Beach. And then um, the venue change on Saturday night uh, it won't be at the Waxlight Center. It will be at the Emerson Center, which is also in Vero Beach. And that'll be at uh, 7 p.m. Saturday, November 12th. We've had a lot of concerts at the Emerson Center before. I think it's very familiar with our patrons. And I think it's going to be a great concert. It's a unique um, concept having the... Um, patriotic jazz uh, performance. So I think people are going to really like that. Right. And in fact, uh, that just leads into our next show of Maestros on Air. Uh, It should be out next week. Uh, We actually have an interview with Andrea Rolson, who is a member of the Space Coast Symphony, but specifically she also plays with the jazz orchestra. Right, that's going to be a great interview. I think people are going to really like it. The people she's played with, it's like a who's who of music. So I think it's going to be very enjoyable for everyone. And that episode will put out uh, by next week. Uh, So you'll have a chance to listen to that in advance of the concert itself. Then we hope to see you at the concert. Uh, However, in the meantime, we've run just about out of time for this show. So as usual, we'll sign off by saying I'm Jeremy Hickman. And I'm Eric Lee. And as always, we'll We'll see you at the show. This has been Maestros on Air, brought to you by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Episodes are available at the iTunes Store or at maestrosonair.com. Maestros on Air is recorded at the Peak Velocity Studio in beautiful Brevard County on Central Florida's Atlantic Coast. For more information about the symphony or upcoming events, like us on Facebook. Or visit our webpage at spacecoastsymphony.org. Thanks for listening. And remember, as always, we'll see you at the show. A Peak Velocity production.